I said, we're in the uh, third installment of our series on God's sovereignty in our study based on A.W. Tozer's book, Knowledge of the Holy. This will close our study on the attributes of God. And where we left off, as I mentioned earlier, was on page two of the handout on Roman numeral three. I'll just quickly uh, go through the first page and a half of the handout. Um, and if you've got a blank one in front of you, you can fill it out. So, uh, what does it mean that God rules? Well, on uh, the first point, he does whatever he pleases. So if you have that there, you want to fill it out. He, it does, he does whatever he pleases. We see that in Daniel 4, verse 35, Revelation 4, verse 11, and Ephesians 1, verse 5, and verses 9 and 11. God has all the wisdom and foreknowledge and power, and we see that in the other studies that we uh, that we had in, with his infinite wisdom, his foreknowledge, because he's outside of time, his uh, omnipotence, his power to effect whatever he decides that he wants to accomplish, with or without man's cooperation. Regardless of what we do, God is capable of accomplishing his will. And we have the uh, analogy of a cruise ship with passengers on board. The passengers are free to roam about, eat, sleep, do as they please. However, they are still on that ship bound for its destination, and they are incapable of effecting that. Uh, God does not answer, point three, God does not answer to men for his decisions or actions. And you can see that in Isaiah 45, verse 9. So our second major point, areas in which God arranges the affairs of all, Roman numeral 1, through governments. Whatever government is in place in any nation, God is working regardless of what that government is doing or its nature or whether or not it acknowledges God, whether or not uh, we perceive it to honor God, God is working through governments, through our current government, through governments in times past, even horrible governments. God's will was done. God also, Roman numeral two, uh, arranges the affairs of all through the boundaries and movements of ethnic groups. And we see that in uh, the account of Israel's uh, movements throughout the Old Testament, uh, starting with Abraham and through the time of Moses, their time in Egypt, coming out of Egypt, uh, all the way up through uh, the times of uh, persecution, being ransacked, the needs of the Persians, uh, the Babylonian Empire, God arranged the affairs of the Israelites, and in, including even up to the last hundred years, in 1948. Uh, Israel being established as a country, and uh, both through governments and movements of ethnic groups, we saw that uh, they were the Jews were incapable of finding a place uh, of sanctuary until after World War II and the death of FDR, with the advent of Harry Truman as president of the United States, who was present when nation, uh, the nation of Israel was established as a nation. He. Uh, Put his name to that event and he said the united states stands with this nation stands with the formation of this nation and the united states is one of the most powerful allies if not the most powerful ally of the nation of israel today and quite possibly israel might not exist were it not for the united states remember when they had the 
Lord, but at the same time, everybody's turning against Israel and seeing all of these rockets, you see this big canister for, 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 for the spread of It's called Staggard, that's Project Manager, but it's young missile systems. Staggard, that's right. I, I forgot you were part of the missile, <laughs> missile systems development, which was a locking? Yeah, Raytheon. Raytheon, okay. Skyguard. Four, a four canister, stack of four canisters, right? Yeah, there's 12 missiles in the canister. 12, okay. That's why I was saying, I sit there and watch it go, please don't fire, because you can't, because they can't miss Isn't it incredible to watch what you work on at work to protect human lives? Yeah. I, I, I would, my hair would be standing on end if I watched that. I did. I did. All, all of us did. Because, you know, they go through tests and they go through the government and mm-hmm. be past inspectors, if you know anything about that, and they're very tough. If you touch one of them, they'll reject it and send it back to test. That, that's the truth. And we knew, we didn't know exactly what they were going to do. Nobody did until you watched it on TV. Wow. And the next morning at work, that's all they thought talk about. Goodness. Yeah. <laughs> Well, God bless you, and God bless Raytheon, and, uh, and He most certainly did when uh, they were used to defend Israel. Amen. Mm-hmm. And uh, was that six-day war? Uh, there were multiple wars, but uh, yes, six-day war was one of them. Yeah. I believe that was 1967. Uh, and uh, let's see, there was a. Uh, well, I'd have to look it up. I'm going to admit to ignorance. Yeah, I know. We didn't even know where they were going. We just they were stuck in our stock room, which is underground, in wow. case they exploded. And uh, then, you know, then they started packing up, which is part of my department. I'm handling food, which is production control, which is a big, big department. But you know that they were being put on the trucks, going to the airport. Mm-hmm. And so they went to Knoxville, not our airport, but they had a big airport, a big, big airport to bring in one of the Air Force planes, which right. I'm sure you know that. I just Likely a C5. Yeah. Uh, I know if it was 67, the C5 was brand new at the time, and we used it to support Israel. But God use, uses governments, He uses corporations even. There are a lot of talk about, oh, corporations are evil. Yes, they can be, yeah. but they can also be very beneficial in some cases. Uh, but God uses, arranges the affairs of all through governments, through the movements of ethnic groups, through products that corporations uh, produce, and, and of course your role in that. Uh, and he also uses it, here we go, in the gifts and callings of individual men and women. And we see that in Jeremiah 1 verse 5, Ephesians 4 verse 8, Romans 12 verse 6, Isaiah 45 verses 1 through 7. So the next point under Roman numeral 3, even God's enemies fulfill his will. Uh, and we can see that of course, I, I hate to Godwin this lesson. If you know what Godwinning a conversation is, when anyone mentions the Third Reich or Adolf Hitler or so forth, but due to the Holocaust, there likely would have never been the establishment, or if not for the Holocaust, there likely would have never been the establishment of a Jewish nation. Prior to the establishment of Israel, people would look at the... Uh, look at Revelation and say, well, there's no country, Israel doesn't exist as a country, how is this possible? And now, of course, we see Israel most certainly exists as a country, and it's quite, we can look at what occurs in Revelation and say quite literally, well, this is possible now. They speak of the entire world seeing the two witnesses in Jerusalem being dead. Well, how does the entire world see two people dead? 
Oh, of course. Internet, satellite, television, smartphones. Now that's quite possible. But when I'm and I'd say probably if I knew when you start when you're in church as teenagers and stuff and very cross that had to be there once my father did regulation. That to me that was just so far that I didn't pay any attention to and I'm 16, 17, 18 years old when we went through all that. But to me that's impossible that's not up there. Until all of a sudden you got TV. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, people say religion is the opiate of the masses. I forget exactly who said that, but it was some communist revolutionary. Uh, television is the opiate of the masses. And now, of course, internet. But even God's enemies fulfill his will. Of course, television. <laughs> uh, I'd say the majority of producers of content for television definitely are not aligned with God, and yet they will be doing his will. God arranges the details of my life, moving to the next point. I see that in Psalm 37, verses 14 through 15, Psalm 139, verse 16, Philippians 2, verse 13. If you're going to fill in the uh, blank there, God directs my steps. God directs my steps. Jeremiah 10, verse 23, we see that. Uh, Proverbs 20, verse 24, and 16, verse 9. So there are three aspects of God's rule as sovereign. One, Roman number one on page two, preservation. God maintains the existence of the universe. And we talked about that, how he has infinite knowledge, infinite power. He knows the exact disposition of every subatomic particle of every existing object and has power over all of it. Nehemiah 9 verse 6, we see that. Uh, Colossians 1 verse 7 and Hebrews 1 verse 3. Roman numeral two, God, uh, a second aspect of God's rule is providence. He guides and directs the course of natural and human events to fulfill his purposes. We see that in Psalm 103 verse 19. And there are many different ways in which he does that. Uh, one of them being inanimate objects. And we'll see that in Psalm uh, 104 verse 14 and 148 verse 8. In uh, Through animals, of course we see uh, we recounted the uh, story of Balaam's donkey, how God opened the mouth of the donkey. I was thinking about this uh, just last night. So God opened the mouth of the donkey. And it doesn't say God spoke through the donkey. It says God opened the mouth of the donkey. So it was the donkey speaking. Uh, that's a, that's a rather shocking to, to contemplate, that the donkey was providing its own thoughts. God simply gave it the ability to articulate them. Uh, it, this is, of course, pure speculation, but you think about the fact that we as humans only use a small percentage of our brain. There is possibility in the remainder of that percentage that we might be able to communicate with animals. Uh, certainly uh, communicate with God beyond prayer. When the fall came, it likely cut off much of that ability. So our corrupt nature, as we are as human beings, much probably was lost in that fall. And God decided, okay, let's flip the switch back on for a minute. So God opened the mouth of the donkey. You consider that the serpent spoke to Eve in the garden, right? The other interesting thing is Balaam was the only one that heard it. Were there others with him? Yes. Okay, and they didn't hear it. So it's in, it might very well have been a telepathic communication, but that's speculation. 
Speculation on my part. I was just saying something. Yeah. I have to read the account again. But uh, moving to the next point, chance events. I think we talked about the uh, the tsunami in, uh, I believe it was 2004. Oh, sorry, the next point is uh, natural disasters. Chance events, maybe a rock falling off of a, uh, a cliff and uh, preventing something else. Uh, natural disasters and, of course, directing people. God directs people. So uh, getting to Roman numeral three on page two, provision. God provides the physical, emotional, and spiritual needs of his people to his glory and honor. And we see this in Matthew 6, verses 31 through 33. Take their, therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Um, none of us are strangers to the crazy gas prices we're experiencing right now. And the rent, of course, has been going absolutely insane. And uh, Jessica and I have uh, been feeling the pain. Uh, and, of course, uh, the Air Force decided not to... Uh, give the Air Reserve Technicians at Travis a raise, which is desperately needed. They gave one to Sacramento, they gave one to San Francisco, but because we're in this little area that they consider to be financially different, the DOD just said, well, we're not giving the special salary rate to Travis. Uh, and meanwhile, I'm watching inflation go, well, uh, we tithed this past week, and I looked at the income over the past few months and said, oh my goodness, God is good. <laughs> uh, just in examining our, our uh, income over the past few years, it, my, my paychecks are always the same, and yet money has come in exceedingly abundantly, so praise the Lord for that. <laughs> and, and this is not to brag about our income, this is to say, Life is not cheap right now, more so than ever, and yet we are provided for. God provides. Uh, he provides financially. He provides physically. He provides emotionally, spiritually. Uh, let's look at Psalm 144, verse 15. Psalm 144, verse 15. Psalm 144, verse 15. So the last verse in the chapter. Happy is that people that is in such a case. Yea, happy is that people whose God is the Lord. So spiritually, happy is that people whose God is the Lord. God provides happiness. That's, uh, it's difficult in, in times of trouble to remain in good spirits. But if our focus is upon the Lord, if our, if it's a, as it says, whose God is the Lord, not money, not things, not the things of this world, whose God is the Lord, happy is that people. Uh, moving to uh, 
Item A, fill in that blank, physical, physical provision, food, shelter, and raiment. Turn to a uh, little bit to your left in your Bible to Psalm 104, verses 13 to 15. Psalm 104, 13 to 15. Water the hills from his chambers. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of thy works. He causes the grass to grow for the cattle and herb for the service of man, that he may bring forth food out of the earth. And wine that maketh glad the heart of man, and oil to make his face to shine and bread, which strengtheneth man's heart. Is there any so water at the hills from his chambers, that earth is satisfied with the fruit of thy works, causes the grass to grow, herb for the service of man, food out of the earth, wine maketh glad the heart of man, oil to make his face to shine, bread which strengthens man's heart. All of these physical things are provided for God. God gives us provision through these physical things, through through feeding cattle, through causing the grass to grow for herbs and oil and wine and bread, all of these things are provided for us. So uh, item B there under Roman numeral three, fill that in with the word emotional. God provides for our emotional needs, our peace and our joy. And for that, let's turn to John Chapter 16, verse 33. John 16, verse 33. These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world might have peace in the world you have tribulation but be of good cheer i've overcome the world we should we should even in times of trouble be reassured that god has overcome our trials we are fighting the battle but the war is already won and then item c under roman numeral three on page two spiritual provision life and salvation and for that, let's go to Ephesians 2, verse 1, and then verses 5 and 6. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Verses 5 and 6. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace, you are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He has quickened us, and quickened meaning he has given us life. We were dead in our trespasses and sin, and he gave us life with Christ. By, by grace, he saved us, he's given us life, he's quickened us with Christ, raised us up together, and made us sit in heavenly places. So he gives us spiritual provision. So what does God's sovereignty not mean? It does not mean that God decides for people. God has ceded some of his sovereign decision ability making 
his sovereign decision-making ability to men. On occasion, God allows man choices to impact his plan. We grant God absolute sovereignty, yet we recognize that God allows our decisions to have real consequences and to influence the course of history, even while God remains completely in control. So we are given free will. We are able to, even on an individual level, majorly impact history. However, the outcome is still decided because God is sovereign. But he uses us towards that sovereign goal. So what is man's responsibility when considering God's sovereignty? Let's go to page three. So Roman numeral one, fill in the blank there, recognition. God has told us that we have a part in the unfolding of human history. God has told us that we do have choices for that. Let's look at Matthew 11, verse 28. So Roman numeral one, page three, recognition. And item A, under Roman numeral one, God tells us that we do have choices. As we'll see in Matthew 11, verse 28. Matthew 11, verse 28. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Okay, and then in Romans 10, verse 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In those cases, God gives us meaningful choices with true consequences, sometimes eternal consequences. So, filling out the next two blanks on uh, item A, choices have consequences. Choices, yes. And then, and that those... Those choices have consequences. So can anyone give some scriptural examples of choices human beings made and God worked within those choices and logical consequences to accomplish his will? Oh, scriptural. Oh, scriptural. <laughs> but that would be a good one. So, uh, let's, perhaps uh, I'm making it sound a little more complex than it needs to be. Let's look at uh, Abraham in Genesis 15, verse 6. And he believed the Lord, and it, he counted it to him for righteousness. This is one of uh, my two favorite passages in the Bible. Uh, the other one being the thief on the cross. The world says, you have to do all these things in order to see heaven, or receive salvation, or be closer to God. You have to go to confession, take communion, uh, pray prayers of penance. Uh, if you're uh, Islamic, you have to make a pilgrimage to Mecca. If you're Buddhist, well, I'm not sure what um, what Buddhism exactly says, but there's there's a process that you must go through. You must do these things. Do, 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 do. God says, don't do, be, believe. 
believe on me. All Abraham did was believe the Lord and God counted, counted it to him for righteousness. The thief on the cross, all he did was show a penitent heart for what he had done, demonstrated a faith in Christ, and asked Christ to remember him. And Christ turned to him and said, I, I say unto you, you'll be in paradise with me today. He didn't have to do anything. He wasn't capable of doing anything. He was nailed to a cross. But he demonstrated faith and uh, repentance. And Christ said, you are saved. So we have... The the other thief likely I'm I'm not sure what might have gone through his head, but if I were in that situation, I think the sorrow and regret for the words that came out of my mouth would have been overwhelming. A nightmare situation. Especially as you go on in life and you know that he knows that Jesus rose, he knows what happened over here, and he's the one that rejected him. Yeah. yeah. So he's going to live the rest of his life knowing that he's going to hell. Yeah. Now, he may not have, but if, if you look at it from point of view, I'm sitting back here and I'm doing this, then I'm going to hell, but I've got a chance to get over there for whatever. Right. So hopefully he did. We'll never know. The Bible never tells us, or at least my Bible did. God gives us choices, and they have eternal consequences. So God gives us the ability to make a choice, and that has consequences. They can be good or they can be bad, but we make that choice, and we have to live with the consequence. Let's look at uh, Romans 4, verse 3. Romans 4, verse 3. That will just reinforce Genesis 15, verse 6. So we'll see that in both the Old and New Testament. Romans 4, verse 3. For what says the scripture, Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. So, Paul writing to the Roman church says, For what saith the scripture, Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. So we see that in both the Old and the New Testament. People argue that uh, we don't need the Old Testament, or uh, we only need the New Testament, or the, the Old Testament... Uh, is superseded by the New Testament. And there's an old covenant, a new covenant, and we're under the new covenant. You see here, this says, as things were in the Old Testament with regard to salvation, so they are today. Paul, writing to the Romans, which was one of the most non-Jewish churches in existence at the time, this is what's required. You believe God, and it's counted unto you for righteousness. So choices have consequences. Uh, Going back again to Balaam in Numbers, he had a choice to obey God and stay home or go to King Balak. Well, we know the choice he made and we know the consequence of that. Uh, he had a conversation with his donkey, which convinced him. Uh, let's look at Solomon in 1 Chronicles uh, chapter 1, verses 10 and 12. First Chronicles chapter 1, 10 and 12. 
First Chronicles 1, verses 10 and 12. Now I beseech you, now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no division among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. I think you're reading Corinthians. That's okay. First uh, Chronicles 1, 10, and 12. Uh, I'm looking at this, and I'm not seeing a reference to Solomon. So let's skip that reference. Uh, I, I think this is incorrect, but uh, there was a widow woman whose family was threatened, and the amount of oil poured out was in direct proportion to the amount of vessels that the family could uh, collected. Uh, this says Second Kings four one through seven. Let me look that up for just a moment. Second Kings four one through seven. Uh, this is when Elisha uh, visited a woman, a widow. Uh, who has a creditor that was going to come and uh, take her sons into bondage. And Elisha uh, told her uh, that the pot of oil in her house, the only thing she had left, that uh, take it to her neighbors, borrow every vessel that they possibly could, and start pouring it out, and set it all aside. And she did so, and the vessels were full, and they said, and they filled everything, and she sold all of the oil, and uh, paid off the debt, and her sons weren't taken into bondage. And they had one vessel of oil, and she went to all of her neighbors involved and borrowed all of their pots and poured it out. So God provided the oil to pay the debt, even though it looked impossible. So uh, Wayne Gruden writes in his book, Systematic Theology, but we must guard against misunderstanding. Here also, as with the lower creation, God's providential direction as an unseen, behind-the-scenes primary cause should not lead us to deny the reality of our choices and actions. Again and again, Scripture affirms that we really do cause events to happen. We are significant, and we are responsible. We do have choices. And those are real choices that bring about real results. Scripture repeatedly affirms these truths as well. One approach to these passages about God's concurrence is to say that if our choices are real, they cannot be caused by God. But the number of passages that affirm this providential control of God is so considerable, and the difficulties involved in getting some of them other interpretation are so formidable, that it does not seem to me that this can be the right approach to them. It seems better to affirm that God causes all things that happen, but that he does so in such a way that he somehow upholds our ability to make willing, responsible choices, choices that have real and eternal results, and for which we are held accountable. Exactly how God combines his providential control with our willing and significant choices, Scripture does not explain to us. But rather than deny one aspect or the other, we should accept both, an attempt to be faithful to the teaching of all Scripture. 
For example, we accept that light is both a wave and a particle. Well, it's both. And you can debate back and forth, well, it's a wave. No, it's a particle. Well, it's both. Rather than deny one aspect or the other, we should accept that both, in an attempt to be faithful to the teaching of all of Scripture, we make willing, responsible choices that have real and eternal results for which we're held accountable. So God combines his providential control with our willing and significant choices. A couple of examples from recent history. Uh, Susanna Wesley, uh, the mother of John Wesley, and uh, his brother, who was also a very significant figure in Christian history, uh, I believe they had nine children. And her husband was a preacher. And he left her at length at home alone to raise those nine children. She had a time of day every day at which she would sit down at the table and read and pray. And to indicate to her children that she should not be disturbed while praying, she would take her apron and pull it up over her head, creating a little tent. <clears throat> and this was a witness to her children, one, that she was spending time alone with God, and two, do not disturb this time for it's sacred. And she prayed for her children fervently, and she raised two of the most significant men in modern Christian history. Another example uh, I think we're familiar with is George Mueller, who never, ever once solicited the public for donations for the orphanages that he ran. Tens of thousands of children passed through those orphanages, and millions of dollars in the late 1800s came through those orphanages without him ever soliciting the public for help, but simply praying to God. There was nothing, no food for breakfast for the kids, and he prayed, and and yeah, and uh, was, you know, and then they came in. And yeah, uh, something to the, the effect of a knock at the door, and yeah. it was someone trying to get their goods to market, and they weren't going to make it in time, uh -huh. and they just decided, well, here's an orphanage, let's give it to them. Yeah, God's timing oh. and God's providence. Here we see God's providence. So moving to uh, Roman numeral two. On page three, uh, our responsibility when considering God's sovereignty, prayer. We can discern what God is doing and pray for it to come to pass. So our responsibility is to pray. Roman numeral three cooperation. We pray, and then we do our part. Roman numeral four, we yield. We allow God to place his place to do, to sovereignly arrange our circumstances. So Roman numeral two, prayer. We discern what God is doing and pray for it to come to pass. Roman numeral three, cooperation. We pray, and then do our part. And Roman numeral four, we yield, or yielding, we allow God his place to sovereignly arrange our circumstances. I'm going to go through the applications. As I see, it's 1040. Our response, the first one, 100 applications, 
obedience. We ought to obey God. Of course, as we just covered for the second one under applications, prayer. We have an opportunity to cooperate with God in prayer and through activity. The third application in science. Alice, you can appreciate this. In science, we can discover God's thoughts after him. God is a God of science because God invented science, created everything scientific. We work through science to discover God's order and design for the universe. We discover God's thoughts after him. He authored everything through science. It is man's understanding of the universe. Fourth point under applications, our response through forgiveness. We have the freedom to forgive those who hurt us. So fourth item, forgiveness. We have the freedom to forgive those who hurt us. Our fifth application, patience. God builds our faith and encourages our patience as we wait on him. God builds our faith and encourages our patience as we wait on him. We can respond also through submission, our sixth application. We cannot demand an answer from God or refuse to cooperate with his will until he gives us an answer. We certainly can't say, well, we're not going to do anything until you answer our demands. We cannot demand anything from God or refuse to cooperate with him. We are in submission to God. And finally, our last application Praise and awe. We look for and praise God's work in history. We look for and praise God's work in history. Now, on that uh, last item, Roman numeral four, under our responsibility, yielding. The uh, mental picture of stopping at a stoplight and allowing a heavily loaded 70,000-pound tractor trailer pass at an intersection, if you yield to God's will, you stop at the stoplight, you don't get hit by God's will. (laughs) You can't stop God. There's a reason the light goes red. There's a reason the train crossing barriers come down because it's there to keep you from getting hurt. We yield to God's will or we're going to get carried down the tracks or crossing intersection by God's will. Now, it's not to say God's going to hurt us because we didn't do what he said we should do. It's that there are consequences that are overwhelming and irresistible should we not yield to God's will. So that, that mental picture came to me while going through this. It's, uh, we don't exactly give permission to God. We yield to him. Uh, he, his work is done whether we are in agreement or not. We don't allow God to do things, but we do yield to him because if we don't yield, well, his will is going to be done regardless and we're just getting in the way. That's going to be a temporary condition. So the the picture of uh, one of the uh, things I enjoy doing with uh, YouTube is watching uh, dash cam videos, uh, footage captured by cameras on cars. And I have one installed in both of our cars. and some absolutely fantastic uh, footage is caught with these cameras. And some of the most 
mind-blowing accidents are with semis because they are 70,000 plus pounds fully loaded. You're not going to stop that with a small vehicle, but there are a lot of people out there who think they can brake check a semi because they're upset that he's moving too slowly. And he always said, you stay far enough behind that tractor and trailer that you can see the face of the driver on his side of your mirror. If you don't see his face, he can't see your face. That's right. And never pass him on the right. And when my husband was so sick before we moved out here, we were going from Bristol to Charleston, Bristol to Charleston every week. So I did the driving. So I went in a heartbeat. And they said, now you can pass him. So I go, tweet. They said, you don't have to do that. I said, make sure he knows I'm coming up. That's right. Now, always pass on the left, and if it's dark, just give a quick blink on the brakes to let them know you're coming. <laughs> but they can see you. It's like yeah. I said, if you say, you know, you have to far enough behind, you see yeah. their face, they can see yours. If you don't see their face, they don't see you. And if you're going to pull in front, make sure the entire front of the semi is visible in your center rear view mirror. Yeah. That ensures you got plenty of space. A, a semi, as the analogy, uh, as an analogy for the will of God, uh, is kind of a crude one. But it's very effective in that it is an unstoppable force, and we are not immovable objects. <laughs> it gives you a picture in your mind. And, yeah, it's uh, it's it's sort of a, a brute force analogy, but it, it's it's a good picture uh, to reassure people that there's not really much we can do to prevent God. Well, there is nothing we can do to prevent God's will from being done. Let's go ahead and close in prayer. Uh, Scotty, would you mind doing the honors? Father, we thank you for this uh, few lessons that we looked at um, your sovereignty. Lord, we can't possibly fathom your sovereignty. 